has been an amazing, but an eye-opening experience too. The global need for missions, um, <clears throat> and the global need for not only physical resources such as food and clean water, but also the need for Jesus and the gospel around the world. Um, while there, my team of two other interns and I really got a taste of the daily struggles full-time missionaries face in the field. While we saw baptisms and incredible growth, we also saw persecution, um, <clears throat> leaders stepped down from their faith, and theft of personal property. Um, uh, while there, we saw a spiritual darkness over the whole the land, which is um, crazy to think about from being here, and it's um, just a eye-opening thing. Uh, missionaries have come from all over the world, including other countries in Africa, and have said to feel the darkness. Um, between the constant Muslim prayer calls, sacrificial worship, and strong belief in witchcraft, there was such a, um, a feeling of oppression. Um, we saw the power of God move in incredible ways, but also the power of Satan in such a real way. I met Christians who faced extreme persecution for becoming Christian. One man was tied to a cross for three days with no food or water, then after being let down, his father came to his house and tried to shoot him. The Christians there are very strong in the face of persecution. In fact, they are strong because of their persecution. While in Ghana, we spent most of our time farming and teaching through community health evangelism. We taught a program called Farming God's Way, a process that uses only a fraction of the resources to produce an extremely large crop yield and uses a much smaller area. We also went around the villages teaching lessons on how to clean and purify their water. The villagers were extremely receptive and loved the lessons we taught them on how to, they can improve their health and lives. Um, while there, I learned how such little things can bless others, whether it's playing soccer with some kids or helping a man build his fence. You can show the love of Jesus in all that you can do. Through a program called Kairos, we learned not only to focus on the top-line blessing, which is how God blesses us, but also the bottom-line blessing, how we can bless others. We are blessed to bless others, and God is doing incredible things through the team in Ghana, and despite all the setbacks and hardships, they're on the verge of a power breakthrough and move of God. By his strength and grace, um, they will overcome the persecution and the trials they're facing. Thank you for your prayers and support, and may we all be involved in taking the message of Jesus to those who do not know him as Lord. Well, good morning. I'm so excited to be able to be here this morning for the special reason I'm here. Come on up, join me, Gracie. Where's McKenna? Come on, join me. Bring your family if you want. <laughs> awesome. This is probably my very favorite reason to stand in front of you guys in church in the morning. Um, it's because we get to do some baptisms this morning. Awesome. Okay, super. Um, I'm so excited to introduce you to these two wonderful young ladies. Um, this is Gracie Henderson, and she is an active, sweet third grader this year. And um, she and her dad have been having some talks that um, her dad, I know, is really excited about. And um, through those talks, they have decided, Gracie has decided, that she wants to give her life to Jesus and be baptized today. Right? Awesome. So, Gracie, will you um, repeat your confession with me? Okay. I believe. I believe. That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the Living God, the Son of the Living God, and I take him, and I take him as my Lord and Savior. As my Lord and Savior. Awesome. Gracie's dad, Mark, will be baptizing her at the end of the hour. This is McKenna Leonard, 
And um, McKenna will be a sixth grader this year, won't you? And I met McKenna last fall when she, her mom dropped her off at our uh, J-12 youth group. And her mom was a little bit nervous because McKenna didn't know a soul in the room. And within 10 minutes of her mom departing, McKenna was friends with every person in the youth group. And that's the person that she is. McKenna has just gotten back from an exciting week at Round Lake where I've told you before, wonderful things happen. And um, she decided this week at camp that it's time for her to give her life to Jesus too. And she's going to be baptized today also. Ready to uh, give your confession? I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the Living God, and I take him as my Lord and Savior. Awesome. We'll be doing the baptisms at the end of the hour. Okay, cool. We're going to dismiss your parents. You guys stay here with me because it's time for us to invite all our young friends up to the stage. You'll be big people. Get to sit in your seats. Go on. <laughs> but in the meantime, while all my young friends come up with the rest of you, stand up and greet one another this morning. No one lights a lamp and then hides it. You put it out on a table so others can see it. Nothing is hidden or secret that will not be illuminated by the light. Be careful with keeping what you hear. Those who, will be, those who have more will be given more, and those who have less will lose whatever they have. After Jesus said this, his mother and brothers came to see him, but couldn't get through the crowd. When told that his family would like to see him, Jesus said, All those who hear the word of God and obey him are my family. All right. Hey, you guys want to move over this way a little bit? They want to see you, not me. Come on up here. See me come up here. They love to see you. Come on, take advantage of the spotlight. There we go. All right, awesome. Hey, you guys, this morning, did you hear the verse that Luke just, just read to us or told to us, the story he told us? Jesus was talking about, what was he talking about? <clears throat> did you catch that word? Jesus was talking about light. Light is a pretty cool thing, right? Do you guys, you know, I went, I wanted to, it's what? There is light. You are right. We have got light all around us, and it's good when we have light around us. Does anybody, I want to give a definition for light. This is a tough one. I ask you guys to tell me what things mean all the time. Do you have an idea, Casey? Bright. Bright is a good adjective to describe light. Anybody else have a, a definition for light? Shiny, Shiny sure. Sarah? Yeah, it's kind of the opposite of dark, right? There's when there's light in the darkness, yeah. Blinding. Okay, cool. Well, see, I went to the dictionary to find the definition of light. I could have gone to my physics book, but that's for another audience. So I went to dictionary.com instead. And here's what dictionary.com says light is. Are you ready for this? Dictionary.com says light is energy that makes it possible to see things. And I kind of really love that definition, even though I kind of, my brain likes the physics definition. I really kind of like that definition because, do you know what? This definition came a lot later than Jesus, didn't it? Probably somebody wrote this definition, I don't know, 100 years ago or so when light bulbs came out, that kind of timing. Jesus was here so much earlier, and Jesus, in the Bible, tells us that he's the light and that he wants us to shine his light in the world. That's what this story was about that Luke was telling us. It was about shining our light. And so if you think about that, what Jesus is telling us to do is he's telling us to spend energy. What, what, how would you describe energy? Does anybody's mom say you're a ball of energy? I bet your dad does. <laughs> What's it mean when your dad says you're a ball of energy? What? That you're hyper, yeah. You're always doing stuff, right? 
You're always doing stuff. That's what energy means. So think about that. If we, do, if we substitute that in there, then light means doing stuff that makes it possible to see things. And in this case, the thing we want people to see is Jesus. That's exactly right, Willow. So, hey, I got something I want to show you. Because one of my favorite ways to make light is this. Does anybody else enjoy a good glow stick? Yeah. I do, too. Okay, but I enjoy more in the dark. So let's get, let's get Joe to give us some dimness here. Now, watch this. You're going to love this. Because everybody here has always wanted to do this. I know that. Watch this. Okay, so I got these glow sticks, and these are going to represent light. Now, you guys are going back to school really soon. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> That's what your parents say. You say, we're going back to school really soon. Anyway, school is going to be great. But let me tell you something about schools. Everybody getting a glow stick back there? Got enough? Everybody's getting one? Okay, good. We got enough to go around? Okay, here. Grab one. Grab a couple. Here, go ahead, take those back there and pass them around the back. Okay, so you guys are going back to school, and going back to school is a perfect chance to be the light, to, to spend some energy, to let other people see Jesus. Now, let's see here. Maya, can you hold your light up in the air for me? Maya, maybe your light represents you inviting the new girl at school to play with you on the playground. Okay? That's shining your light for Jesus. Keep your lights up in the air. Um, Sarah, maybe your light, stick it up in the air. Do you have light back there? Maybe your light, you shine your light when you stop to help the girl who accidentally dumped her lunch on the floor in the cafeteria. Right? That's shining your light for Jesus. So each of you has something that you can do, right? Because energy means doing something. Something that you can do to show your light to other people. So everybody hold your light up in the air. That's pretty super cool. You can each be a point of light to show the light of Jesus to someone else. But let me show you something else. We can do this alone, but would you guys all slide in together? Try to put all your glow sticks together in one spot. Raise them up in the air so they can see them. Hold them up in the air. Don't lay them down. Hold them up, but bring them all together. <sighs> what happens, moms and dads? Our lights get brighter. Can you guys see that that light is brighter when you're all together? Points of light are awesome, and we all have to shine the light where we are. But look at what happens if we bring ourselves closer to other believers, other people who know Jesus, and we shine our light for him, then we can shine even brighter to the people around us. Okay, guess what? I'm going to let you guys take those back to your seats with you. And when we are done with service today, I'm going to have you guys come out in the hall, and we're going to do something with even more glow sticks, okay? Hey, would anybody like to pray for us this morning? She had her hand up real quick. Let's pray. Thank you for the, the church that we got to go today. Thank you for the people that came. Thank you for the food, and thanks for the fun that we had. In God's name, amen. Amen. Thank you very much. You guys can have a seat. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you so much for, for this day, this Lord's Day, this chance to be in your house and worship you. Uh, God, we thank you uh, for the opportunity to be in fellowship with one another, to be a, a part of one body, one church. Uh, 
God, we, we thank you for who you are and, and who you are for us, uh, showing us what, what true community looks like. And God, I pray that we, we, could, we could be that for the world. In your name, amen. So I'm going to start off with the question today, uh, and, it, and it's up on the screen. How good is the good news to you? And I know I've probably asked this before here, but I, this, this question is so important, and it's been important to my life. How good is the good news to you? How good is the good news actually uh, to you? Um, what, but but what, does this, what does this phrase mean, uh, good news? What, is, what does this phrase mean? I, I find myself asking this question uh, a lot when, when examining my life and what I'm doing. Uh, do I speak to others like I have good news to tell them? Do I act like there's even news at all? And I think these are important questions for, for us to ask ourselves uh, when, when approaching others, uh, others uh, in the world. Uh, so, so we're going to do something really quick. And this is, this is one of my favorite things to do in the world, okay? This is, uh, this is, this is very important to me in, uh, in my camp days as a, as a child and now uh, as, as, a, as a big boy. I still do it at camp with, with the kids. This is, this is my favorite thing, and we're going to do it today. We are going to sing a song called Hallelujah. And you may have heard this song before. Uh, it goes, hallelujah, 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 praise ye the Lord. That's what I like to hear. Okay. So we're going to sing that. We're going to sing that song today. And you're like, why are we singing this song today? Well, hallelujah doesn't, it, it means praise ye the Lord. You're de, you're de, we're defining it here. Praise ye the Lord, hallelujah. But hallelujah is not just saying, let's praise God. It's a command. It says, praise ye the Lord. We must praise God. So, so we're going to divide up in, into three groups, okay? Okay. Uh, I don't know how in the world I'm going to do this, but we're going to do it. So this side over here, this, this side, you're going to be the hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, and, and you're not doing it right. Rich Mullins used to say you're not doing it right if you're not getting spit on the person in front of you. It's a real Hebrew hallelujah, hallelujah. So you need to just belt it out, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. And the middle section, we are going to shout the name of the Lord. But back in, back in the Old Testament times, they wouldn't say Yahweh or, or Jehovah because they were, they were afraid of blaspheming. So we're just going to, they would just say, Yah. So hallelujah, 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 Yah. And I want it to be real loud. And then over on this side, we're going to sing, praise ye the Lord. Do you think we can do that? Some of you are kind of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe, I just broke everything. Some of you guys are like, I can't believe we're about to do this, but we're going to do it. And, I mean, if you want to stand, you can stand and, and yell, but if you don't, I understand. It's, it's early. So let's start. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise. Oh, my goodness. You guys. That was a little bit disappointing. We, uh, we, need to, we need to make my ears hurt or something. I, I don't know. We, we, need to, we need to amp up the level here. So, so let's try this again. Hallelujah. Yeah. 
I think some of you are still a little bit asleep, but 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 I I love that. I, that's one of my favorite things to do is is get those the, the kids at camp screaming at me when we're around the campfire, hallelujah, and then I you know tell them that they they're not doing it loud enough, and then they break my eardrums, but because they they scream. Uh, so, <laughs> but let's get into let's get into our scripture today uh, in Luke. Luke chapter 8, verses 16 to 18, uh, Jesus is talking to a large crowd of people. Uh, it, it's it's the, continued, the continued sermon, if you will, uh, from the parable of the sower. Uh, while he's talking to these people, Jesus brings up the idea of light, like Cindy was talking about. And when I hear this parable, the first thing I think of is, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I love that. That's like... Again, I'm, I'm just a child. I mean, that might just be me when, when I hear light, I think of that song. It might just be me. I, I might be the only one. Um, but the, the phrase, the phrase is, is, is so great there. Uh, hide it under a bushel. No. I'm going to let it shine. <laughs> and the idea behind this song and, and what I love about this is that it points to the ridiculousness that Jesus is pointing out. Why in the world, if I had a lamp, why in the world would I hide it? What's the point? Some of, uh, some of the dads out there are like, well, that's wasting energy. That's wasting my money on the power bill. I mean, you're right. Uh, but the, it's, it's ridiculous, right? To say, to, to say that I'm gonna have this light and then I'm gonna put it under a jar, it's nonsense. Uh, it, it's dark. You're, you're going to put it up so it lights up the whole room. So, uh, here, I need, I need one, of, one of your help. Uh, could, could you tell me what darkness means? Does anybody know what darkness means? The absence of light. There we go. I knew our teens would know. The absence of light. Darkness is the absence of light. And, and just like we saw in Cindy's illustration of, of the glow sticks, our lights can illuminate the dark areas. But what we have to be careful about is getting too far away from each other, from the other lights. Because when they're bundled up, it's really bright, right? But when they're spread out, uh, they, they become more and more and more dim. So this seems pretty easy to understand, right? Uh, Jesus, Jesus is saying that it's, that it's absurd to put a lamp under a jar. Why would you do that? You're going to put it on a lampstand. Uh, in, in the same way, we should not suppress our shining of light and telling other people about Jesus. But, but that's just verse 16, right? Verse 17 brings it in a whole new idea to, to what they know about their religion and their spirituality. It says, For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed, and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Now this could be really misunderstood. The idea of this, on, 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 the surface, on the surface, it sounds like Jesus is going to re- reveal all of our deep, dark secrets. And that's not the idea behind this. He, what, what Jesus is saying 
he, he might, you know, he might reveal your secrets, but instead Jesus is saying that light will be for all people. Light will be for all people. Uh, previously, Judaism was, was within a people group. Uh, back in Genesis, God made a covenant with Abram. He said that he would be a chosen people, a chosen nation, God's people. So his children and his children's children would be people of God. This is the Israelite nation we know, uh, that we know. Then once these Israelites were exiled, they were known as uh, Jews or Jewish people, which, which we start to see in Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, which these books are, are uh, post-exilic period. Uh, that's the nerdy term for this is after they were in Babylon. Um, so uh, this, this, is, this is the time when they had, have just gotten out of exile back, in, back into Jerusalem. Uh, but before Jesus came, salvation seemed to be only for the Jewish nation. It seems like there is just this one God of the Jews. But the reality is that there is one God over all. Paul writes in Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible uh, because we cannot paint a pic- better picture ourselves. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Jesus the Christ is Lord over all. Not just those who accept him, all will answer to him. That at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus continues to say that we should consider carefully how we listen. We should consider carefully how we listen. Jesus is speaking to the disciples, and the disciples heard not only for themselves, but also for those whom they would minister to. So the words you hear and the words you read, the scriptures, you hear these words and you are responsible for them. What you hear is what other people will hear if, if you are telling them. So we must understand, understand what Jesus is saying here. This is why the gospel uh, or the good news is so important to know and understand. But it's also important to share. Jesus compares the good news to the very first thing that was brought forth in creation light. Jesus continues after his family comes and wants to see him, but can't because, because of the crowd. His reply, his reply seems odd, but it was not meant to reject his natural family, but to emphasize the higher priority of his spiritual relationship to those who believed in him. Jesus is telling this crowd, this news, the news is important. The news is important, and we have to tell others You must hear the gospel of Jesus the Christ, but that isn't enough. Those who are in a relationship with Jesus are those who hear God's word and put it to practice. The Greek word at the end of this uh, is is poieo. Some of your Bibles might might say uh, put it to practice or to do or uh, obey. But this word poieo means to make or to produce. We should be bearing fruit. We should be so excited about this good news that we can't help but to share it with other people. That's why I love that song, Hallelujah. Because we're just yelling at the top of our lungs, praise God, 
And that's what we should be doing on a daily basis, praising God. If you want to look to your left and to your right, uh, on the walls, it says, love God, love people, and what? Impact the world. How are we going to do that if we don't treat this news like it's good? When kids get something and do something, the first thing, what's the first thing they want to do? Look, Mom. Look, Dad. Look what I found. Look what I can do. My friend back in Indiana uh, had a nephew, and his name was Finn. Uh, just the coolest little dude. And uh, we, I would help him. I would help watch him from time to time. And uh, we, we would hang out, and uh, I, I'd, help, I'd help watch Finn. And Finn was on this kick when he was about two years old where before anything that he did, he'd go, watch this. Watch this. And sometimes it would be like he would run around in circles, or sometimes he'd literally just jump. Like, I, I, I don't know. But every time it was, watch this, watch this, watch this. And I love that energy and that enthusiasm. And wouldn't that be awesome if we were like that with Jesus? Look at this, look at this, look at this. This is awesome. You need to see this. That excitement is contagious. Sometimes it's exhausting, but sometimes it's contagious. We should, we should have that same excitement about the good news, but here's the deal. Some of us aren't understanding it and adopting it as truly good news. So let's talk about uh, what, what the good news is. Dr. N.T. Wright, a uh, famous theologian, wrote a book recently called Simply Good News. And he talks about how people are misunderstanding it, like I've brought up. He says that it's not, it's not being preached as this, but it's certainly been understood as this, thinking that God is this, is this big, bad, angry God who has made a set of moral hurdles that we, that we all have to jump over, and, and he's looking to discipline those uh, who, who don't make it or who have failed. Then at the last second, someone stepped in, and it just so happened to be his son. And I, and I know, like I said, this isn't being preached, but sometimes it's, it's understood this way. Someone just stepped in the way and took the hit, and it just, it just so happened to be his son. In reality, a good God created a good world, and he placed us in it to bring wisdom, order, and development. Our human vocation was to tend the garden. In other words, to sum up the praises of the world and articulate it to God. Now this is some pretty interesting theology and, and some sometimes hard to, stand theo- hard to understand theology. Um, so if you have questions, I encourage you to ask. This is my like, favorite thing to do is look things up. I probably won't know the answer right off, but I'd love to look it up for you. Um, we, we often hear uh, the, God of, uh, the God of the Old Testament versus the God of the New Testament. The God of the Old Testament is this big, bad, angry God who's all-powerful and is, you know, smiting people and, and whatever. And then the God of the New Testament, we, we know Jesus is this loving, caring uh, person. But that's wrong. That's actually completely wrong. There is one God, and he is never changing. He has always been a merciful and loving God. In fact, redemption was in the plan to begin with. 
1 Peter 1, 17 to 21 says, Since you call on a father who judges each, each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Before the creation of the world, God is not an angry God, he is a just God. Even though we have failed, fallen short, and sinned against God, the God who is the judge over all of creation, our unrighteousness, has been justified by the death of a perfect lamb on a cross that represents the shame of a criminal. This death was not a last resort, but this was in the works long before the world. Amen? In order to understand the, understand the good news, we have to know the backstory. We have to understand the truth. This is why we need to be careful in how we listen. Uh, the backstory is that God made a good world like I brought up before and, and we chose sin. But God is dealing with human brokenness to put the world right. L- listen listen carefully, carefully to this and, and I'll repeat it too. Just, it's a heavy statement and N.T. Wright says it perfectly. He says, God promises to put the world right so he puts us right in the present in order for us to be a part of of his project of putting the world right. Let me, let me read that again. God promises to put the world right, so he puts us right in the present in order for us to be a part of his project of putting the world right. The news of the event that actually happened points forward to God putting the world right. We get to be a part of God's story uh, in putting the world right. You, you see, most people see the good news as something that has happened in the past. And there, there are two problems with that. Uh, the first is that we of, oftentimes we separate the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, those things are considered one and the same. He died, so he rose. It's not there was a death and there was a resurrection. Jesus died and rose from the dead. It, it's, it's one point. It, the death and resurrection of Jesus point forward. The second problem is that we do not look to the past for our hope. Which, which seems strange because we see this death on a cross and, and this rising, rising from the dead. But we do not look to the past for our hope. Our hope is that the Christ event which is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is something that has happened in the past, points to something that will happen, which is the return of Jesus or God making the world right. That's good news, right? And we live in between the two. We live in between these two events, these two huge events in the world. The truth restores the human vocation that I was... uh, referring to earlier, to tend the garden. Uh, the, the truth restores that. This vocation is, is to live as image bearers. 
And what does, that, what does that mean to be an image bearer? To be made in the image of God is to be an image bearer. And this means to reflect out to the world and, and reflect the world back to God. Reflect God out to the world and reflect the world back to God. So picture an angled mirror, right? God is, is, is showing himself to you, so you're showing God to the world, and then you're collecting the praises of the world and articulating it to God. And that's what, it means. that's what it means to be an image bearer. The human task is to bring the wisdom and flourishing of God to the world, then give the praises of the world back to God. If we live as, live as image bearers in the present, which is this in-between time, we see that Jesus rose from the grave. This was the launch of the new creation. This was God's example. He was showing us what we will do, with, what he will do with the world, which is what he did with Jesus. We will rise as Jesus did. Pretty amazing. Now, I don't want to get this uh, confused with talking about beliefs and end times and, or anything like that. Uh, this, this could seem like that, but I'm talking about where we're living right now uh, and that we should understand that the hope of Jesus is that we will rise as he is risen in grace and in glory. What does this mean for us? Well, God is doing something that is changing everything, and we should live like that. The ancient, the ancient Jewish word for gospel or good news was used to speak of God redeeming Israel by defeating those who were attacking Israel or by defeating those who were oppressing Israel. We see this word used back in, back in Isaiah, but when the Romans took over, the Roman emperors adopted this term. They used this ancient Hebrew term. They used it to talk about their enthronement or birthdays or whatever was going on in their life that was more important than anything else in the world. So when they spoke of good news in the Roman world, this was a slap in the face to Caesar. We have good news about a new king, our king, the world's king. This king will rule over the whole world, not just what you understand. This was a slap in the face to Caesar. I don't care who you are or what you rep represent. I have a true king that is Lord over all of the earth and its people. This goes to say that Jesus is the Lord of the world, not simply in a spiritual or intellectual way, but in, in physical allegiance to God. Paul talks about this allegiance as obedience of faith. In Romans uh, chapter, verse, chapter 15, verses 25 to 26, it says, Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I, I proclaim about Jesus Christ, in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith. Above any power or principality, our allegiance is to God. But here's something that we run into. What, is, what does this look like? How do I live like I'm in allegiance to God at work, at school, at home? How are we image bearers? In what ways do I have beautiful, beautiful feet uh, because I'm bringing the good news 
in Christian theology, some of the subjects that we come, come across are, are hard to put to action. But let me, let me give you an example. If you're at work, you're going, you're going to work. That's just, that's it. Not everyone is called to full-time missions or full-time ministry or whatever. We have our own ministries. Each, each person has, has their own mission field. So, uh, so when you're working at a hospital, law firm, marketing agency, financial firm, some large corporation, etc., what are you supposed to do? Well, you work. You do your job. But you do your job differently. I picture Jesus at, at his job as a carpenter. Long, hot, tiring days get to you. But I doubt he ever stopped loving people. We are to live with the joy of God. And this is why we shout hallelujah. The joy of the Lord. We give praise to God for every moment. I, I read an article online, and I've told some of my worship team this. I read an article online about why worship leaders should be more like Jimmy Fallon. It just kind of seemed ridiculous, so I was like, well, okay, whatever. But it's true. In his show, he's always smiling, always prepared, never looks tired, incredibly humble, and he shows interest in every single word that a guest has shared. I think that we could take this into every job. When you walk into the workplace, smile no matter what your day has been. Be prepared and show that you are a committed and hard worker. Never look tired no matter how late you were up or how exhausted you feel. Be humble about your work and show others that you care about what they're doing and appreciate their efforts. Now, am I saying that you have to be like this all the time? No. <laughs> In the three months that Kelly and I have been married, I have never come home wiped out or tired. I mean, <laughs> right? She's not even paying attention. She's like, you're the worst. <laughs> but this is why we're in relationship with other believers. This is why we come to church. We come to church uh, to be filled up from being joyful all week. God, I need your spirit. Jesus, what I have is not enough. I need you. I need your spirit to fill me up, fill me each day and every day. Lord, make me anew. Fill me up with your joy, love, and peace that I may be an image bearer for you. There's a moment that we take part in each week. It's where we take a cup and a piece of bread and say to God, you are everything. You are everything. We recognize that on that night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he gave thanks to God and said, this is my body which was broken for you. Take and eat this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took a cup and gave thanks to God and said, Take and drink from this, all of you, for this is the blood, the blood of the new covenant, which was poured out for many. This moment of communion is a time of remembrance, 
thanksgiving, and looking forward. We remember the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross, dying a sinner's death that we might live in righteousness. In 1 Peter 2, 23 to 24, it says, when they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. He entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you were healed. We give thanks to a God that is merciful and has a plan for redemption long before the earth. We rejoice in that truth that we are free because we are no longer chained to this world because we have chained ourselves to the unchainable solid rock of Jesus Christ. But we are no longer slaves because he who reconciled us has called us a child of God. We look forward to the redemption of the world and we thank God for the opportunity to be a part of his story of redemption. We recognize that God has put into action putting the world right. And this is our opportunity to live as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, that this is our spiritual act of worship, that we would be in allegiance to him who is over all. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for this chance to come to, to, come to the table of the Lord. Yeah, a time of remembrance, a time of thankfulness, in a time of looking forward. We see your death and resurrection as, as an example of the, of the grace, of the militant grace that is putting us right in this world that we might achieve triumphant glory. God, we thank you so much for your love and your justification. Amen.